Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud. Get it automatically. If you like the Stitcher app, you'll find it there as well. It'd be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review on whatever platform you choose. Like the podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. Follow along on Twitter at myfirstsketch. Head to myfirstsketch.com where I'll post any of the videos that we talk about on today's episode. Any thoughts, questions, recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at myfirstsketch.com and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Sketchfest Seattle has begun and we continue our series talking to performers at that festival. Today's guest is Courtney Hewer, currently a member of the Responsible Adults. The Responsible Adults will perform at Sketchfest Seattle on Saturday, September 14th in the 830 block along with friends of the podcast Bad Medicine from Washington, D.C., Tickets are available at sketchfest.org. Courtney's first sketch is called Dixon Ticonderoga. Courtney reads the role of Penny, and I read Glenn, and give you whatever visual information you need to know. So let's go to the sketch. Two people on stage holding hands, smiling, a little creepy, overly happy. Hi, I'm Glenn. This is my wife, Penny. We're newlyweds. They look lovingly at each other for a moment. We're so happy and in love and all we want to do is share it with the world. Penny, you're my number one. And Glenn, you know you're my number one. And we're going to share with the world our number two. They both exaggeratedly reach back into their butts, but really their back pockets, and pull out Dixon Ticonderoga pencils. Still holding hands. Our Dixon Ticonderoga number two pencil made by the Dixon Ticonderoga Pencil Company. With the Dixon Ticonderoga number two pencil, you can do anything you set your mind to. You can change the world. Rewrite history. Trace the stars. Erase your problems. The Dixon Ticonderoga number two pencil can change your life. I know what changed mine. They looked lovingly at each other again. Penny, my life was pointless before I met you. Glenn. I never told you this, but I wrote my vows with my Dixon Ticonderoga number two pencil. I wrote my vows with my Dixon Ticonderoga number two pencil. Oh, Glenn, you're so sharp. Thanks, Penny. You know how to keep me in line. The Dixon Ticonderoga number two pencil is truly a point in the right direction. And to help you get started, here, Glenn hands his pencil to an audience member. We know she'll be in good hands. Dixie, tie! Two kids holding hands skip on stage and join their parents. You know where I like to put my Dixon Ticonderoga number two pencil? Up your butt. Tie! A beat. All three glare at Ty. They return to normal. My wife and kids are my number one, but my Dixon Ticonderoga number two pencil will always be my number two. I love you, pencil. I mean, Penny. Dixon Ticonderoga number two pencil from the Dixon Ticonderoga Pencil Company. I'm fixing for my my Dixon. Dixon. They all embrace and smile at the audience. Lights out. Hey, Courtney. Hey. All right, so tell me about this sketch about Dixon Ticonderoga number two pencils. So I got the inspiration based off of, well, 
pretty much just the Dixon Ticonderoga pencil. And I don't know like where that thought came from. I just wanted like the smallest and the most like mediocre thing and to just like blow it out of proportion of just like how amazing it is. And especially just like the brand, like you just think like, oh, it's just a pencil, like who cares what it is? But then you're like, no, it is the Dixon Ticonderoga number two pencil. And I mean, like if anyone out there is very big on their writing utensils, they should know that the Dixon Ticonderoga number two pencil is probably like the best pencil out there. I would agree with you, except that I can't, but I, I would agree with you other than like there was a pencil that I used like all throughout school that wasn't the Dixon Tiger kind of rogue that I absolutely loved. Do you know what, I, what? I can't remember was? what it is. I don't know. Like it was one where it was more rubbery. Like, uh, um, it wasn't like, oh, that's going to kill me now that like now that I'm <laughs> thinking about it. And then, and then I switched to mechanical pencils and never. Really I know, like back. once mechanical pencils like came into the picture, like everything else just like went away. But like when you had those like um, the like tests in high school, that was like the Scantron, and you like mm. needed the number two pencil. Like those Dixon Ticonderogas would be passed around, and everyone was like, "Oh, there's no way I'm giving this back to the teacher. Like this is mine <laughs> now." <laughs> and I feel like I don't know if it actually is like uh, now I'm. Like just misremembering everything. Like I feel like there was either a joke, a, like a, a commercial parody, or an actual real commercial where like the Dixon Ticonderoga was like official, pe- official pencil of standardized testing. And now like I can't get that out of my head. Either. I mean, like that wouldn't shock me, and maybe that was a thing, and that like was deep down in like my memory that <laughs> was yeah. Because I was like, what if there was like a commercial about just like a pencil, like. Because it's just, like, one of those, like, basic things. Like, do you ever see, like, a commercial for, like, toilet paper? I mean, yes, you do. Now that I'm thinking about it, that's very common. <laughs> yeah, those the cartoon bears oh, are yeah, always Yeah, Ultra. You got the bears. The creepy <laughs> bears like, that keep showing like, off their butts. Yeah. Yeah. Those, like, certain things that you're just, like, oh, you don't even, like, think about what it is or, like, the brand. But it's, like what if like it was people's like livelihood like this is what they live and die by (laughs) um so when did you write this sketch um i wrote it i yeah it was um i think like two years ago or like a year and a half ago okay Mm -hmm. um and why did you write the sketch um well it was for uh yeah, the responsible adults, uh, my sketch group, we were, we had done one show of like improv and that was like our first show as a group. And then there was like a sketch month coming up and we were like, oh, like we should do like some sketch month stuff. And I was like, I don't really have any like experience like writing sketch. Like I've seen it a bunch, but like I never really like called myself like a writer And I just wasn't sure about it, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to try and like give it a go, see what like inspiration hits to try and write something for the show. Um, And so I pretty much wrote it for our sketch month show. Um, And yeah, I just like had the idea of like the pencil and I was like, I'm just going to like go with it. 
And then when I brought it to like our next meeting, I was like, guys, like I wrote a sketch, but I don't really know like how it is, if you guys will (laughs) like it. And literally like the rest of my group, they're like, Courtney, like for like a first sketch, this is like really good. (laughs) And it's like pretty similar to like, like what we just read is pretty similar to like my very first draft. We changed up some of like the ending a little bit together but i'd say like mostly throughout like it didn't really go through any like crazy changes yeah and to me it's a sketch it's a sketch that's very much um gonna live or die with performance i feel Mm -hmm. like um you know those two main characters uh glenn and penny like once you up the creepy factor and like really have them like smiley and like over the top salesman like yeah that's part of, that's definitely half of the key to this to the sketch for me i feel yeah and it was like it's always been um me playing as penny and then one of our like old members stagger lee as glenn and when we like looked lovingly at each other like sometimes we just like on stage we just like stare at each other for like 30 seconds and then just like snap our heads back to the audience yeah and people are like yeah it's just like how you guys perform it yeah, and we little would extra like lingers, have the pencils little, yeah. and like actually give one to the audience member we're like there you go yeah treasure her <laughs> <laughs> um all right so let's uh go all the way back to the beginning uh do you have like an earliest memory of comedy i'd say like my earliest memory of comedy is that like I'd watch like the Ellen show a lot growing up (laughs) and so I'd say like wait the Ellen show yeah like Ellen DeGeneres but like the sitcom or the talk show like her talk show mainly okay yeah that was like usually on um and I was just kind of like new like, yeah, she would do, like, a talk show um, and, like, talk to other people. But, like, she would always have just, like, some hilarious, like, bits. Um, mm-hmm. And just, like, anything she said that was just, like, so funny. And, like, I always admired how, like, her and, like, the other comedians who would never, who would just kind of, like, make jokes that wouldn't, like, degrade anybody who like everyone in the room would always like get a laugh and there wasn't like someone that was like the butt of the joke (laughs) other than her scaring everybody oh yeah but it's like (laughs) like they're they like they scream but then they laugh (laughs) yeah like she is very um i haven't watched her talk show like routinely in forever but like she definitely does have that she definitely has carried on that like mantle of like queen of nice yeah like comedy doesn't have to be mean comedy doesn't have to be you know negative to other people yeah Um, it's always just like like comedy is like you want people like laugh and to smile and that like includes those that the joke might be about (laughs) and like i think i feel with even with her stand-up like there is a very like aw shucks like kind of thing like i do like I, I don't watch her show very often like but i will occasionally you know see a clip shared on youtube or mm-hmm. on facebook or whatever and like yeah she's just like awesome yeah she's so wholesome 
and and she like at the same time like i mean if you're old enough and you remember that she became like a pariah when she came out like she lost her skit sitcom and mm-hmm. really didn't do much until she randomly got the job for as nemo yeah and then you know resurged and became awesome again mm-hmm. um okay so talk show so i'm assuming that's like an after school yeah <laughs> like f- first thing that's on tv kind of thing which i think i think you're the first person whenever i ask that question to mention a talk show like that and like that's just the first thing that like came to mind of just like sure absolutely <laughs> And I totally forget that she's been doing that show for like 17 years now. I think like it, it's something been a like while that. for sure. Yeah. Like it's, I kind of, I kind of keep forgetting that time just keeps marching on. I like, know it's insane. It's, um, and just because like I, I might, and just because I might not be watching it at the moment doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So yeah. Yeah. It's like, I haven't like, watched it like for a while but still like i'll see like those clips like on youtube or like see something and being like oh yeah like still going still great (laughs) so like all right then what's your first exposure to like sketch comedy or even improv um when i think it yeah it was at the beginning of 2016 that um my community college at Shoreline Community College, they were holding auditions for um, a show called uh, Highly Sketchy and Improbable or something like that. And I'd always been like interested in like, because I did like the film program there, but I'd always been interested in like jumping over to doing like some acting. And I was like, oh, like a comedy show. Like I kind of want to audition for that. And so I auditioned and I got in. Um, and it was just like all about like improv and sketch comedy and that was just like a couple months of show of just like learning like so much from so many like different people like I got exposure to like the um like the pocket theater that's like in Seattle that I go to and perform at a lot that's where like I met Cassia um I had already met Steven other members of my group um but yeah that was just like where I was like wow I could really get into this and I love like performing comedy and I'd always like liked comedy but this kind of gave like a good structure of like okay I like this how do I do more of it (laughs) Mm, yeah it's one of those um I always like whenever I hear people's stories about getting started like I always get the sense that they just needed that permission to do it or like to know that it's like able to do it where they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you mentioned the film program at college. Yeah. Uh, what, why, why film for you then? Um, that's just been something I've been interested in like my whole life, like growing up and watching like TVs and watching movies. Like I always knew I wanted to like, help make movies and uh either like behind the camera or like as acting um that's just always been like a huge interest in my life so I went and I like studied some of like the film uh there and I've shot like I do mainly like cinematography and so I've like shot a handful of like short films and I've like acted in some short films um 
and it's really interesting how like when you're kind of like in like film school i guess if you want to call it that um a lot of the scripts are like very like gritty and very like drama and definitely the opposite of comedy um there's a lot of just like dudes writing scripts about like guns or like fighting or i don't know um and so it was also just kind of like a breath of fresh air of when i did kind of switch over to get more interested in comedy i was like this is a lot more like fun and a lot more lighthearted than like some of the other like scripts I've been around. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Uh, Cause I also like in my short time in college, I was a, a film student too. And mm-hmm. I actually, I actually had the exact same opposite experience of that where uh, when we actually did like production and stuff, like my, you know, mine wasn't like gritty or, or, you know, guns or fighting, but it was very melancholy. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah very dramatic and everyone else was making comedies <laughs> so like i felt out of place when all this stuff got you know shown at the end of the year i was like oh i screwed this up like <laughs> i should i should have followed my comedy like, instinct. A lot different. <laughs> um what's uh yes what what's like your favorite movie then um lord of the rings <laughs> okay like uh, of of the trilogy, is there a specific one um, or the third one, Return of the King? Yeah, I just I've always loved those movies. I'm like, it's always going to be my answer for favorite movie. Uh yeah, and so I've never seen any of them. Oh well, um, I highly <laughs> recommend them. <laughs> I um, yeah, for whatever reason. So what they came out when I was in high school. The first one came out when I was in high school. I think. Uh-huh. Like it was like senior year of high school, freshman, sophomore of college. Um, and I really didn't have a desire to sit in a theater for three hours to watch it. And yeah. then the second one came out. And I was like, you know what? I'll wait for the third one and watch them all together. And then I was like, wait, that's why would I watch nine hours? Like, yeah. And then you realize like, oh, if you're watching like three back to back and you watch like the extended edition, that's like 11 hours and 43 minutes. <laughs> and then I also hold a grudge against uh, Return of the King. Why? Uh, because so the year that the Return of the King, they like won most of like the Oscars, like they won all the technical stuff. Uh huh. It beats uh, Lost in Translation. Which was like one of my favorite movies of that, of that year. I thought that that should have at least won one or two things that Lord of the Rings ended up getting. And it also, and I don't know why, and I, and I really like this. This really is like the worst Oscar decision in my lifetime. Uh, the movie A Mighty Wind, uh, which is one of the Christopher Guest mockumentary movies, has a song, A Kiss at the End of the Rainbow. That was nominated for best song. And whatever song played over the credits at the end of Return of the King won. Instead of that song. Oh, I didn't know that. And A Kiss at the End of the Rainbow is one of the greatest songs ever written. It's so sweet. I don't even think I've heard that song. So I'm perfect. I'm like, like 15 years later, I'm still furious that it didn't win an oscar okay but have you ever listened to the song that plays 
at the end credits of the Lord of the Rings. I, I definitely like saw it that night when they performed it on the Oscars. Okay. And there was no way that it beat a kiss at the end of the rainbow for me. Like, okay. Um, and if you see the movie mighty wind and I highly suggest it cause it is one of the better, uh, ones of those movies. Well, they're all pretty good. Um, of waiting for Guffman best in show for your considerations. Not as good, but like <laughs> the end of the movie where the song plays is like the emotional, like high point, And it's, it's so good. Like, Okay, I will I'll fight to, to my death. <laughs> I will fight to my death that a kiss at the end of the rainbow should have won the Oscar that year. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm not agreeing with you because I haven't listened to it yet, but like I can will. respect your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I think you will agree with me. I hope you will. Okay. So you mentioned uh, this improv show at your college and yes. meeting uh, Cassia. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stephen, and uh, so tell me about the formation of responsible adults. Um, so it was like after because I had previously known Stephen and our old member Segerly through like other meeting people through school, uh, but that was like when I met Cassia. And then after the show ended, the improbable and highly sketch, I think it was probably like, cause we performed that in like March. And I think like throughout the rest of the year, like through the summer, um, there was like a big group chat of everybody who was like in the show. And it was kind of like, Hey, like the show was over. And we also really enjoyed doing like, like improv and sketch and who's interested in like, continuing to do this like to meet up and to just try and like do some writing or do some improv and just like have some fun and so we would like schedule um or it was usually Casilla because we would meet at like their apartment um like basement like kind of like space area Mm -hmm. and so we like set up some times where it was like it was a pretty big group maybe like 15 people or 10, 15 people to be like, Hey, this is a time that we're going to like meet up and like do some improv and write some sketch. And there was a improv month coming up uh, where there was a chance to perform like an improv show. And we were like, Oh, we want to do this. And it was just funny how like the very first meeting, probably like maybe like seven people out of like the 15 or so like showed up. And then, and that was like, a pretty good meeting and then the next meeting the only people that showed up were Cassia and steven like out of all of the 15 people <laughs> and and so they decided that well, like well we like Cassia and steven were like we really want to do this and so out of the group we're going to choose the most like responsible people to be like hey you're going to do this with us <laughs> And so they chose me because I I can't remember the reason why I couldn't go to that meeting, but it was like a pretty good reason, probably like a dentist appointment or something. Um, and so they chose me and also our previous group member, Stagger Lee. And then the four of us got together and we're like, you know what? Out of all these people, we are the most responsible adults. And just like knowing us, like, like how responsible can you really get and so we like 
throw some quotation marks around it to be like, yes, we are responsible, but also like only kind of. <laughs> now I'm picturing and I'm like, I don't want to assume too much, but coming from the interest of film to performing live, had, had you ever performed before, like, like live on stage? Yeah, um, I grew up uh, taking dance classes. And so I did a lot of like performing for like recitals and stuff. Okay. And so I was like, I was like very comfortable, like performing in front of people. Okay, so it's not me, you know, creating a narrative of like the shy person behind the camera coming out and having to deal not with the bright really, lights of a no. stage. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, all right, cross out that line of questioning. <laughs> um, so writing the Dixon Ticonderoga sketch mm-hmm. after uh, a, a time of like doing improv and stuff. And you didn't, so you didn't write during that, that college show? Uh, no, there was the option to write, but like, because I was just kind of like, like, I didn't even know if I was going to get into this show. And I was like, there was the option to say like, oh, I want to be an actor. I want to be a writer. And I was very like, I just want to act. I don't have any like experience or like comfortability writing a sketch comedy. And so I didn't really put like, I didn't really go out there to have the option to like write uh, for that. But then like later I was like, "Ah, I probably could have done that, but better safe than sorry just a little like lacking some self-confidence of like any abilities I might have. But flash forward, like six months later, I was like, okay, I'm a little bit more confident now. <laughs> yeah. You got to get your, like, you got to dip your toe in first. I feel like, yeah. Um, some people might say that, you know, just, you know, dive head first and just go for it completely and do it all. Mm-hmm. But I'm totally at the same, like uh, there's a thing. Uh, I forget what it was. It was like, you know, it was like, internet thing that like pass around and it was like rules for men and it was just mm. like uh men don't walk down the steps into the pool they 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 always jump or die i'm like whatever like you know walk in if you want i don't care like yeah you can test the waters yeah, and then like jump in or something <laughs> like whatever just you know at your own pace be gradual if you need to be whatever it's fine yeah so um okay and you know, I asked about favorite film and I was trying to like see like if you were see if a com- there was any sort of comedy in there. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, like like to try to see if you were a comedy kid at all growing up. Like like what was your introduction to like sketch comedy on television? Um probably just like like I didn't really watch like a ton of sketch comedy. Like I would say like SNL, how I but I didn't really watch that show a lot. It's mainly just like, I'll watch some clips on like YouTube, like growing up or even now every once in a while. Um, but I didn't really grow up with the huge like immersion into like sketch comedy. And so it was very just kind of like, what even is it for like a long time? <laughs> what pushes you to do this? The improv show at school? Probably the one at school was it was just finally time to just kind of like push myself into like being like, okay, I know I've always wanted to like be more interested in like acting and performing. And this was kind of the show that was like 
yes, you should do this specific one. Um, Cause it's like, there might have been like other shows that were like Shakespeare or other shows. I just like, weren't really familiar with more of like a scripted show. Mm-hmm. And this was kind of interesting. Like it drew my attention because it was very like, like people were going to be writing for it. And it was going to be like a very like collaborative show. And I was like, that's really interesting. Cause I always like doing something creative with like other people to have just kind of like a final product that you can like show off. Yeah. And it was just like time for me to like, okay, let's just see how I am at this or how far I can go with this. Uh, With responsible adults, uh, you're currently a trio, right? Yes. What's the writing process for y'all now? Um, Usually the writing process is a lot of times if we have like ideas, um, it kind of depends on someone could be like, oh, I have this idea, but I have no idea how to write it. And so we can kind of like hand it off to another person. But a lot of times we'll each individually write kind of like the skeleton of a script or like we'll write like a first draft of it and being like, okay, I wrote this thing. I need your guys' feedback or I'd love to like work on this with you. Um, And then we'll all get together and just kind of be like, oh, I really liked what you had there or like I have an idea to how to like improve it. And I think it works out like really well because all of us like really respect each other's like opinions. Um, And there's never really like a time that it's just like, oh, what you wrote is stupid or like, I don't think you're a good writer or we're just like, we all have our own um, like things that we can like bring to the table to help like improve each other's work. Mm um that works out pretty well do y'all ever just like improv it up and oh yeah (laughs) use that as your writing base instead i'd say like a lot of things come off of not like let's do improv but it's just like even if we're just hanging out like we have just endless like bits and jokes and things that we'll say and often it just like comes out of nothing of like we could just be like hanging out or like driving in a car or something and someone will say something and we're like, wait, that could definitely be a sketch. Like, can we explore this for a second? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, what can, like, how would you describe uh, a responsible adult show to someone who's never seen you? What I usually say is that it's comedy. Even your mom would like um, of how, Like, a lot of times we'll do, like, really stupid bits, but they're funny and they're wholesome. And there are some things that might be, like, comedy that isn't for everyone. But I'd say, for the most part, it's just, like, pretty wholesome comedy that, like, we'll just take, like, a stupid idea and just run with it. And it's going to be funny. And everyone's going to find something in our show that they can, like, connect with and relate with. Um, we have a lot of like musical sketches cause we just like to fine tune and then like, we'll find like songs or tunes and then we just like make up our own lyrics to it, even though none of us are very like musically inclined. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we're just like stupid, funny, wholesome comedy. <laughs> uh, so you go through a, you know, the film program, uh, for college, uh, and get some training there. Had those responsible adults? Are, 
are y'all d- diving into like a film just or just live stuff? Uh, we have done um, a handful of films uh, sketches. I actually have one that I need to be working on editing <laughs> pretty soon. Um, but yeah, like definitely with because uh, Stephen did the film program too, and so like between like the three of us, we have a pretty good knowledge of just like how to film stuff, and we have like friends who have like good equipment and whatnot. Uh, but we definitely love to like film our sketches as well as like perform them. And especially it gives certain sketches like a different kind of ability to like live online or um, to like be performed of just like the way that you can film something versus the way you can perform something can be like very different and funny in like different ways, hmm. which is pretty cool. Yeah. Cause uh you know, I, I talked to Cassia and I said to Cassia that uh, I can't see how you do this sketch on stage. Like, it definitely feels way more funny as a filmed piece. And the reverse of that, your sketch, I imagine, would be funnier on stage than it would be filmed. Yeah. Like, I thought about how to film this. And I always just kind of like set it aside. It was like, this is definitely like meant for stage because I specifically like wrote it for stage. Um, And I think if I wanted to, like there would be a way to film it, but I'm like, I think the best way it lives is as a stage um, sketch. And so, yeah, I just think that's like super cool how just the different ways that you're like, Oh, I can write a sketch uh, where I know like editing is going to be like a huge like comedy factor. <laughs> yeah. So with uh, you and Steven having more of a background, you know, on the film side, how much as you are writing, are you thinking that like, oh, let's write something for stage. Let's write something to put on tape and put on YouTube. Like how much is that conversation happening within the group? I feel like it does happen um, a decent amount. A lot of times we'll write sketches for either like specific shows. And so sometimes if we like have an idea for possibly like an upcoming show um, and we're still in like the editing process and we're like, oh, something's not working. The answer might be like, what if instead of on stage, we just like reworked it where we could like film it and a lot of times that might be the answer to why like a sketch isn't working because it just won't work on stage very well kind of like Cassia's sketch like I'm not sure how he would do that on stage as well um and so it's definitely like a good conversation to have of like where can this sketch like live to be like the best potential it can be Mm. how long like roughly would you say responsible adults have been together as the group I'd say like a, what's it, a year and a half, almost two years. And how many things have been filmed so far versus how many live shows have you all done? Uh, definitely live shows have outnumbered it right now. Um, what have we done? Like one, two, three, like, like five live shows maybe. Um, and I think we filmed maybe about like three sketches right now 
And with the, with the live shows, how much are you repeating material? I'd say like fairly amount. Like we definitely have our like key sketches that like we know that the audience likes these and we want to like bring them back and we call them like, oh, just like our classic responsible adult sketches um, that we've performed like a handful of times. Um, But it's always nice that like when we do have a show coming up, uh, we can like talk about like, oh, we'd really like to just do like our basic sketches that we really like and we know um, are going to get like a good laugh. And it also depends on like, oh, is this a new audience where we can do some of our old stuff? Or is this going to be the audience that has been coming to our past three shows where we really need to do something new? Yeah. Living in the world of like the comedy festivals, I always see people, uh, different groups, that, and they usually fall on two sides. And, and, you know, it does depend on the audience. And since, you know, we were talking about like Sketchfest in Seattle mm-hmm. and playing for the home audience, basically, or, you know, an audience that might know you better, uh, as you as you all approach the show, uh, is it a best of show or are you presenting new material for the Sketchfest show? It's definitely a best of show. Like we got together recently and we were like, okay, within our time slot, like how many of our like best sketches can we fit in here? Cause we do have a feeling that it is going to be um, a lot of people that have come to our shows before, but there is because we haven't performed in Sketchfest Seattle before where like there is the potential for like a whole new crowd. And we really want to bring like, our classic responsible adults like vibe like we're like yeah we might uh perform one or two new sketches but it definitely has some of our just like basic responsible adult sketches that people are like people are gonna laugh every time Mm. uh i ask everybody and i should have asked it you know a few moments ago uh, who's your favorite center live cast member and it doesn't have to be just like from you know show stuff it could be uh you know they're you know, movies and stuff, TV afterwards, or just someone that started on that show for the most part. I think of like Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, why? Um, Like more specifically, like Amy Poehler, just because like then she was on like Parks and Recreation, which is like one of my favorite shows ever. Mm. Um. And I feel like I really like just the style of comedy. And I feel like I'm like, oh, if that was like me in 10 or so years, like that would be like incredible. Um, I just like the way like she presents herself or just her comedy style. is just like really admirable and I can like see myself in her. And so I think that's cool. Uh, okay, so here's another fun fact that I just thought about with SNL Connection. Uh, the first person to win an Oscar that worked on SNL was the guy who composed the score for Lord of the Rings. Oh, Howard Shore? <laughs> yeah, he was the musical director in the first five years. Whoa, that's so yeah. cool. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, there's me nerding out about SNL. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now uh, Adam McKay has one, too, for writing big short it's always weird to me like uh i remember there was a a website 
growing up about Saturday Night Live and like it was like had all this like FAQs and stuff and it was like oh which one which SNL cast members have been nominated for an Oscar and like the number was way smaller than I ever anticipated it being and it's still not very big yeah I feel like the leap from just like sketch comedy to Oscar just seems like so far but it shouldn't be (laughs) no it shouldn't be but Oscar never does comedy comedy very well like again I'll go my tirade about Kiss at the End of the Rainbow. Like, <laughs> music from a comedy film doesn't get it. Like, whatever. So you're coming from a film background for the most part. You've you performed a dance. You didn't really ever act as a kid or? Not really, no. It was all just, it was all dance and then film. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a movie that you could watch over and over again that will still make you laugh? I'm a huge, like like, Disney fan. And I'm trying okay. to think if there's like a specific movie of that that like stands out as like comedy. Or okay, so then we'll approach it this way. Most Disney movies do have some kind of comic relief involved. Yeah. Do you have a favorite funny character within a Disney? I'm assuming you're talking about the animated stuff. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like now you mentioned like um for like Ellen getting on finding nemo and now all i can think of is dory <laughs> that's fine dory's easily the best part of that movie mm-hmm. i feel like yeah the the recent live action lion king it's the first one of the live actions i've seen of the uh, you know, recent seen remakes timon and pumbaa are easily the best part of that like you know it's uh seth rogan and billy eichner and they're mm-hmm. fantastic like you all like everyone made it such a big deal, and this is gonna sound so so bad, but like everyone made such a big deal about like Beyonce and like Donald Glover being Simba Nala. You forget that like so little of that movie has adult Nala in it. Yeah, that, like, and I also heard that like not to like rag on like Beyonce, but I heard like she did it. She did a really good job, but she wasn't right for the part. But I also haven't seen that movie yet so <laughs> i i i think she was fine like it was a, yeah it, like i don't think any they could have cast anyone else that would have been like oh my gosh like huge star mm-hmm. like obviously she's the biggest star on earth like yeah like yeah yeah like that adult nala there really isn't that much to it if someone's gonna listen to this and really like fight me on that but like <laughs> Like she's in like the can you feel the love tonight and then some parts after that. Yeah, it, 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 it's a much smaller role than I remembered it being. Mm-hmm. Because it's just I don't know. Okay, I, I, my favorite I, comedy movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go for it. Okay, it's Elf. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's great. Elf is fantastic. Yeah, like it's- I'd watch that on repeat. And it would always be funny. <laughs> you definitely have like a wholesome streak, like completely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have been together for a while. Uh, done a bunch of shows. You're working on, on film material as well. Uh, what's something that you've learned from doing comedy that you would pass on to a new writer or someone that's new to doing it? I would definitely like... Like a lot of people, now how do I want to say this? 
I would say like find like the style of comedy that you like and figure out like w- like why do you think something like is funny? Like what is like the source of it? Um like for me it's very like it always had to be like yeah, wholesome. Like I don't find things funny when it's just like when someone else is like the butt of the joke or if it's like degrading to someone or making fun of like other people. I just like don't find that like funny at all and like there's people that are like oh i really love like physical comedy i really love like slapstick comedy or just a bunch of puns um and it's just kind of like find what you think is funny and then just kind of like trying to like know yourself and know your writing um and then the most you can do is just like just keep doing it like just go for it just keep writing and you'll have a lot of like really bad ideas but every once in a while you'll have like a good idea and you'll be like hey i really got something good here (laughs) uh do you really feel that like your bad idea good idea ratio is like i I mean the way you said that like yeah it sounds like you have to go through a lot of bad ideas but like i was gonna say do you really think that's that high not like not that high I feel like like I'm very much a person that like I can't force myself to write a sketch like it very has to come like through like a natural inspiration or I always just like write down on the notes of my phone like little ideas that I might like explore and I feel like it's through those like little ideas I might have that like I'll write down like three different ideas that like oh this might be a sketch and then like maybe two of them I'll scrap because I can never think of anything. And one of them I'll actually like develop into a sketch. Yeah. Sometimes do you, do you ever get in that? Uh, I mean, as you mentioned, writing notes into your phone and stuff, do you ever get that like uh, moment where you go back to those and you have no idea what that meant? Yes. Okay. Yes. Like in a lot of times I'll like write like a phrase or something and I'll go back and I'll just start laughing at how ridiculous this is. And I was like, is there a way to write a sketch about how ridiculous my notes are? (laughs) (laughs) Like if someone else went through this and I remember I literally had a note in my phone that just said like Shrek bikini barista. (laughs) I'm like, I don't remember where I was going with that, but yeah. So is that Shrek (laughs) in a bikini as a barista? Like I'm, I'm pretty sure a barista wearing a Shrek bikini. I'm not entirely sure. I think my idea was like, what if you pulled up to Bikini Barista and it was just Shrek standing there? So wait, so, okay. So I, I know that's a thing from watching like Food Network. So is that near, is that near you all? The Bikini Barista thing? Oh yeah. There's like all over around this area. Really? <laughs> yeah. I think, like I don't think there is one like here in Philadelphia. Yeah, like we have we have like a stretch of highway that like Highway 99 where they they're just like little like bikini huts or bikini barista. Like if I mean, I've never went through one because that's just not for me, but you could like pull up and there's just like women in bikini like making your coffee. And it's just like for for people that want that. Isn't it cold? Um, like I know Seattle's rainy, but doesn't it get cold? I don't know. I've never asked them, but I mean, probably they might have like heaters in there, but I I'm mean, like, sure. like, yeah, yeah. but 
Because I could have yeah. sworn that was a, like a Texas, like South thing. I mean, I, mean, I, I like I grew up knowing that it was like a thing around like where I live, and interesting. I just kind of figured it was a thing like everywhere in America. Um, and so I remember I was kind of shocked to learn that like, oh, it's not everywhere; it's just in certain areas. But yep, we got we got a lot of them here. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I definitely yeah. Definitely remember some like Food Network thing about like weird restaurants and here's bikini coffee or bikini ice cream. Like that's why that's that feels unnecessary. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I, I I'm not I can't judge those people like <laughs> I wouldn't do it, but go live your life. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, definitely don't want to like judge and be like, well, first off, I don't drink coffee to begin with. So it, oh. nothing, <laughs> nothing about it. Is necessary to me. It's appealing. <laughs> uh, um, and then finally, uh, why comedy? Like, why is comedy the way you spend your free time? I think it's really nice to like spend so much time to like work on making like yourself laugh and to work on making like other people laugh. Because I mean, like, to get kind of grim that like sometimes the world is like really crappy and you feel like the impending sense of doom. You're like, Oh no, like global warming is coming and climate change is upon us. And this country is going to fall apart at any second. And I feel like there's just like so many things that you can like dwell on and be upset about that. It's really nice to spend like so much time trying to think of like, what's, what's something funny that I could like put a spin on this or trying to like, make someone laugh or just try and keep like keep the wholesome spirit alive <laughs> yeah uh my favorite band uh ends every show with you know proclaiming from the stage that there's so much joy in what they do and like it, that really hits me because like I'm, I'm the same way with like you know the the world is burning around us mm-hmm. let's try to inject some joy and laughter into it like yeah thanks courtney Yeah, thanks for having me. (laughs) And I'll still go to my grave thinking A Kiss at the End of the Rainbow should have won Best Song that year. Courtney and the Responsible Adults will perform at Sketchfest Seattle on Saturday, September 14th in the 830 block along with Bad Medicine. You can follow the Responsible Adults on social media at so-called adults on Twitter and at the Responsible Adults on Instagram and Facebook. My first sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketchfest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter Rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy. <laughs>